Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Hey, welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure. Also go to iTunes and Spotify and subscribe to Snazzy Stories Podcast or podcast apps or go to snazzystories.com. Now, I love journey stories. I always have, whether it be in literature or history. That is probably why I love The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I can watch those movies over and over again and never get sick of those stories, as my husband can attest to. I'm the same way with historical journey stories. And since Mormon pioneers have been a part of my state's history and a part of my family history, I have always been fascinated by their journey. And I often learn about myself when I study journey stories and about my own journey in this life. Between 1847 and 1869, more than 70,000 Latter-day Saint pioneers traveled along the Mormon Trail on the north side of the Platte River. It was about a six-month journey, depending on weather conditions, wagons or handcart troubles, snake bites, diseases like cholera, measles, or whooping cough. Accidents were also common, such as Archibald Gardner's son, Neil, who got caught, quote, between the will, unquote. Sometimes children were run over by wagon wheels and died. Any of these possibilities could cost people their lives. The families would stop to grieve and bury their family members, which meant their journey may take longer than expected. These travelers did try to make their life as normal as possible along the trail. For the Mormon pioneers, they kept their religious activities on Sundays, and this helps remind them why they were on this journey to begin with. The children and youth on the trail would also read books, go hunting and fishing, write letters, sing songs, and talk with their friends. They would name their oxen or cows and treat them as their pets. Examples of some oxen names given were Bright, Buck, Pink, and Duke. Examples of names given to their cattle may be Lady Blackie or Lady Milky. One particularly mean cow was named Lady Lucifer. Kids also played games on the trail like checkers, tag, or marbles. Some children collected pretty rocks that they saw as they walked by. Young adults dated or courted along the trail, and they were married. These people, though they lived so long ago, were real human beings. Oftentimes, because they are so far removed from our own situations, we may find them to be unrelatable. However, they were people, just like us, who felt frustration, anger, despair, excitement, and happiness. Hundreds of these people wrote about their everyday experiences, and we are incredibly lucky they did, so we know what their everyday life was like. Here are some quotes from those pioneer travelers about their everyday walk on their journey. This is from Eliza R. Snow, June 1847. Quote, I took my departure from winter quarters. It commenced raining soon after our start. I felt a loneliness for a while after parting with my friends. Unquote. 
from Brigham Young. Quote, on the move again. By mid-April, the travelers saw prairie grasses sprouting, trees leafing out, and rattlesnakes slithering around, unquote. Patty Bartlett Sessions, April 5th, quote, I rose this morning, the sun shining with splendor, which gladdens our hearts. Our wagon cover is froze hard, and mud and water a little froze. Froze our shoes in the tent. Brother Taylor and family came within three miles of the tent and stayed all night without fire. The ground is so wet that many could not lie down without lying in the water. We are now 135 miles from Nauvoo, unquote. Mary Jane Mount Tanner, age 10, quote, Another favorite pastime consisted of walking far enough ahead of the train to get a little time to play. When we would drive the huge crickets and build corrals of sand or rock as to put them in, calling them our cattle, unquote. Wilford Woodruff, 1847, quote, The Platte River is a rapid stream, yet in many places a person can wade across. Horses and cattle can walk down to the edge of the river and drink. Sometimes a man or horse will suddenly sink into the quicksand, unquote. Also from Wilford Woodruff in 1847, quote, Of all the sights of buffalo that our eyes behold, this was enough to astonish man. The face of earth was alive and moving like the waves of the sea, unquote. Eliza R. Snow, July 1847, quote, The teams begin to fail for want of water. A very heavy shower revives them and turns our sandy road to mud, unquote. William Clayton, quote, There are many antelope in these mountains, and the country is lovely enough, but destitute of timber, unquote. Heber Kimball, 1847, quote, When I jumped into the river, I was astonished at the strength of the current, for it was all I could do to stand on my feet, unquote. Horace Whitney, quote, In advance of us, at a great distance, can be seen the outline of mountains, loftier than any we have yet seen, the settling sun throwing its glancing rays at their summits, covered with snow, unquote. Again, Mary Jane Mount Tanner, age 10. Quote, there were a great many ant hills along the road where we often found beads, which were no doubt lost by the Indians and collected by those little workers along with gravel. If we were hardy enough to risk a bite now and then, we found much amusement in searching for the beads to string into necklaces. Unquote. Brigham Young. Quote, Fort Bridger has two double log houses joined by a pen for horses, constructed by placing poles upright in the ground close together, which is all the appearance of a fort in sight, unquote. Anna Clark, quote, as we came down and out of Emigration Canyon, we all came together to look and thrill at what our eyes beheld. At last, we could see our journey's end, unquote. And lastly, Brigham Young, quote, I trust I can have command over my feelings to speak with a childlike spirit, yet with the confidence and courage of a man, having guard every moment to keep from bursting into tears. We are here. Unquote. A couple of weeks ago, I traveled to northern Utah to visit some historic sites of these Mormon pioneers and non-Mormon pioneers as well. I headed to a place called Mormon Flats. This was the approach to the Big Mountain Pass, which was the steepest climb on the Mormon Trail. 
From the mouth of the canyon, the pass rises 1,400 feet in elevation within just four miles. The first wagon train to make this climb was actually the Donner Party. An explorer by the name of Lansford W. Hastings suggested that the Donner Party take this pass on their way to California in 1846. This pioneer group spent four nights camped one mile up this canyon. This campsite became a popular spot among the thousands of people who would travel this trail. The Donner Party blazed this trail for thousands to follow. And I don't think that they get enough recognition for their accomplishments and the contributions they made to settling the West. Their accomplishments are overshadowed by their desperate survival story. In July of 1847, the first group of Mormon pioneers, led by their spiritual leader, Brigham Young, walked those same steps as the Donner Party had the year before. Within the next 20-plus years, the Mormons were followed by the 49ers rushing off to California in search of gold, emigrants searching for a new life, freighters, stagecoaches, and even Pony Express riders used this same trail. I continued my drive up the winding road through that canyon until I reached Big Mountain Pass. At this point, the pioneers would have begun their descent down Emigration Canyon to the Salt Lake Valley. As I drove, the mountain soon was covered in snow. It had snowed a couple of days before, and luckily the road was not icy, just wet. As I drove to the top, I thought how grateful I am to not be climbing that mountain in the snow on foot with wagons or handcarts. On July 19, 1847, John Brown and Orson Pratt were sent as scouts to find out what was ahead of Brigham Young's advance party. These men climbed Big Mountain and were the first Latter-day Saints to see the Salt Lake Valley. The advance company had to split into three smaller groups because of illnesses sweeping through their camp. Therefore, not all of the groups made it to the top of the mountain at the same time. The last of the three groups, led by Brigham Young, reached Big Mountain on July 23, 1847. By the 23rd, many from the first company had made it into the valley and had already begun planting their crops. As was mentioned before, the Donner Party had made this trek a year earlier and spent 13 days cutting through to make the trail the advance company used and the trail that thousands of people would use later. The 13-day delay is what caused the Donner Party's disaster when they ended up being caught in the Sierra Nevada mountain blizzard. But because of the Donner Party's work and determination of making a trail down Emigration Canyon, the Mormon people and many other groups were able to travel to the Salt Lake Valley a lot easier. The Mormon Trail is still there for hikers to enjoy. I did not go all the way down the canyon on the trail because honestly, it was cold. I walked a ways down the snow-ridden trail and thought, goodness, I never would have made it as a pioneer. I went back to my car, turned on the heater, and drove down the canyon. As I came closer to the canyon bottom on the opposite side of where I had started at Mormon Flats, the snow began to disappear. I pulled off to the side of the road and enjoyed the trail again, this time with yellow and red leaves scattering the trail instead of snow. And I came to a conclusion as I walked where my pioneer ancestors had walked. I was literally on the same path they walked many, many, many years ago. I am also a Mormon. I am on their same path religiously or spiritually. Yet their life was incredibly different from my own. And sometimes I find their lives and their stories completely foreign to me. 
We have had extraordinarily different experiences, even though we are part of the same religion. But then again, all Mormons are different. And that doesn't mean we cannot understand one another. We both have felt frustration, anger, despair, excitement, and happiness just from the mere fact that we are all human. And since we have the same belief in God, we have a similar understanding of life's journey. I recently read a quote that said, In order to love who you are, you cannot hate the experiences that shaped you. Various life situations make up who we are and what we believe. Our experiences matter, and so do we. Whether we walked this path in 1847, in 1863, or 2019, our spiritual growth is our own, and it will look different for everyone. Mormons are from various backgrounds and have experienced difficulties that will sometimes bring differing perspectives. But Mormons are all on the same path, looking towards the same destination in their religion. Those experiences that bring about those unique life perspectives are going to shape us on how we get to our destination. On how we reach our Zion, our rest, our place of peace. And that's okay to be different from each other. Patty Sessions said of arriving in their Zion, September 25th, 1847. Quote, Got into the valley. It is a beautiful place. My heart flows with gratitude to God that we have got home all safe. Lost nothing. Have been blessed in life and health. I rejoice all the time. Unquote. Thank you for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story.